Yes, good to be back. Can you hear me if I speak like this, everybody? Okay. Good to see some familiar faces and um, be back on the hill. I think the last time I was here was when we, we had a, a big gathering at Amravati in 2017. And a lot of uh, Sangha came from different countries and gathered there and, and uh, I brought a group up here at that time. And so, it's been about six years. And I was telling Ajahn it felt like coming home. It's funny how these things, you know, even though it's so long ago, I suppose I went off, I left Harnam about 25 years ago to live in other places. And after that, it's just been little small visits. But uh, these things tend to form you the early years when you're, uh, well, for us in the monastic life, practicing the Dhamma, joining, learning how to be part of a community. And I suppose it's probably somewhat similar to each of you who don't uh, choose a monastic life but enter in some form or other relationship with Dhamma practice. And the, the sort of early years, you're really... Uh, reframing your experience and orienting yourself in a new way towards your own experience, towards yourself, the world, in terms of, 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 of you know, one's own ex understanding of Dhamma practice, that that creates a certain uh, strong uh, perception. And so fortunately for me, it's a very pleasant one. When I think of Harnam, I smile inside. And coming home is like really one way we could talk about what we're what we're doing when we do practice dhamma. You know, there's different ways, of course, of of um, using the words we have we have inherited in in the Buddhist tradition and through our culture. We use different words to uh, help point towards truth and towards uh, happiness, true happiness. And, and, and home is one that resonates in a way. Um, for a lot of us, of course, is the famous translated talk by Ajahn Shah, Our Real Home, that he gave to a, a dying uh, person. Because that's what it feels like, isn't it? When we start to practice Dhamma, we reflect Maybe at first it's a little bit mental and analytical, but at some point we're contemplating using meditation, even if it's not a meditation technique, our, our mind is, is deepening in a way which becomes nonverbal, non-conceptual, more awake in some way, more awake to ourselves, and it feels like we're becoming ourselves or coming back home. And in a sense, we've always been here, but we spend, our, we spend a lot of time, all our time, looking outwards or pursuing different things, trying to become someone or something else. And so Dhamma practice is a way of helping us come home, relinquishing the involvement that we've um, maybe more or less consciously decided uh, or been sort of coerced into 
following different desires, different tracks in life, and we realize, no, actually, what is what is true, and what 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 has true value? What will be what will be valuable to me when I when I'm dying? If I reflect on death in that way, if I have the chance to think of what's going to be important on my deathbed, will it be you know having completed this particular project, you know, or, or being praised by this particular person, or being successful in this you know particular endeavor? I might be involved in or caring so much about right now. When I'm dying, what will be important? And we, we can use that as a reflection. This uh, the Pali words Mara Nanu Sati, you know, reflecting on death. Not as a way to to um, you know become depressed or to to dampen our spirits or to call up any kind of fear, but rather a way to help us. It can be used this way to uh, get in touch with what. We actually always, in a sense, always know is important. The true, sort of truth underneath it all. And we have these different ways to help do that, different practices. So the monastic life, we, we wear special clothing and, and chant special words. And we organize our lives in, in particular disciplined, deliberate ways. And that has all kinds of benefits if we're interested in this kind of work. And otherwise, picking up practices, say doing anapanasati or metta, bhavana, specific, deliberate, conscious methods we can use that we've inherited from a, from a religious tradition, from the Buddhist tradition in our own lives to direct our, our awareness in a way which has, has certain results, certain, it calls up conditions which which can help us to find this this truth to come home which in a sense doesn't actually need any of these methods or um, you know the the conditions that we 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 organize our lives around here in the in the monastery doesn't need them it 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 in itself it's 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 what always is isn't it the the sense of um, what's there when we, we, we see our own thought as thought that arises in the present moment, when we're, we're in touch with, with that which can, can witness, that which, you know, in ourselves, as we watch ourselves, we witness ourselves sitting quietly or, you know, lying down, whatever position we're in, but say in meditation, sitting quietly, something in us can, can be aware and, and, and is sort of holding it all with awareness, in awareness. And then there's, there's the sort of active part of us that we can also be aware of, we can witness this, which maybe we're doing the meditation technique, trying to keep our mind on our breath or keep our mind on, in, on wholesome states, caring for ourselves and others if we're practicing metta, for instance. That's the sort of active, the thinking mind, and we have to engage with that in skillful ways if we wish to, to um, you know, avoid harm and, and to move in this direction. But that which witnesses it is, is just still, always. It's, it's always present. It's nothing, in, it's nothing you can pinpoint as a thing. But we can, we can kind of come home to it. We can, we can allow ourselves to uh, take refuge and to fall into 
that which is aware, that which knows. And we hear this kind of teaching, these kinds of phrases a lot, depending on, on the monastery we're in and the teachers we're listening to. Language can be different. Sometimes it's uh, the via negativa, where we're, we're talking about what the path is not. It's not this, and it's not that, and it's not the other thing. And sometimes more positive language, where we're actually saying it's, it's, it's the knowing, it's the awareness, it's source, it's, it's home. But all of these, are, of course, are just words. They're, they're pointers. They're, they're ways that we can help ourselves, tools to use to uh, realize something, to, to uh, let go of that which is making us suffer, making us become afraid or become anxious or become worried or become, you know, sort of attached to certain pleasurable feelings emotional feelings of happiness or physical feelings of, of, of you know, various um, comforts that we get attached to. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but it does make us suffer. This is the teaching, isn't it, that we're encouraged to, to see for ourselves, of the Four Noble Truths, that dukkha or suffering is, is a kind of stress, a tension, which is created by us in the present moment. Again and again and again, through through our conditioned uh, way of being with ourselves, way of being with things as they are. So we try to become aware of that, to recognize it with the first noble truth, notice that that's, that's what's happening. There's a tension there, always, even when things are going well. We're afraid that the conditions will change and we want to keep them going well. There's always some kind of dissatisfaction. Usually it's very obvious in some respect or other. And the second noble truth is to, to see that we're seeing, we're, we're actually responsible for that. We're, we're doing it to ourselves, in a sense. It, that the suffering we're talking about here is not the suffering of the, the unpleasant situation or feelings or emotions or sensations. Those will be unpleasant no matter what. But that unpleasantness itself is not the suffering. The suffering is our relationship to it not wanting it or wanting it, not wanting it and wanting it, this pushing and pulling we're constantly doing. And we are doing that. So that's what we need to really see, whether it's in a, you know, ordinary lay life out in the world or in this kind of refined monastic life where we're making it all very simple and obvious by deliberately setting out our routines and our, you know, wearing the same thing every day and cutting off our hair and eyebrows and so on, so that we have a mirror to ourselves, and it gets very subtle, no matter what the conditions of our lives, this is what we, 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 we are encouraged to, to see, to learn that the way that we're relating to our experience in the present moment is actually creating the tension that we call dukkha, this suffering. And there's a way out, which is, which involves us changing the way we relate to our experience. So we, 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 we find a different way of being with things as they are. And the conditioning, of course, we have is to try to change, change things as they are to being different. So that they'll be, uh, we think they'll lead to happiness. Make the monastery the way it should be. Make myself the way I should be. 
make the people around me the way they should be, make society the way it should be. And uh, it's understandable, and it's the way we're, we're conditioned to, to think and to, to perceive. And it's not going to go away, you know, our mind will continue to work that way. But we do have, through mindfulness, the ability, don't we, to, to see that for what it is. It's not to be trusted, because it's actually not true. So, if we're really believing that, that things will, you know, there'll be true happiness if, if, I, if I finally achieve my goal, we're, we're going to continue suffering because there's always another goal and the goal doesn't last. So it's not to be negative, but it's to recognize there is actually a way out of suffering and it doesn't, and the wonderful news is it doesn't depend on having to change either the world or myself in the ways that I think I have to change. Instead, it's a different kind of changing, a changing in, in my way of being with things as they are. So I can allow things to be as they are. I can completely allow them to be just as they are, as long as they're not causing harm to anyone, myself or others. So keeping what we call sila is really essential. Right? We're, not, we're not deliberately acting in ways through body or speech that's going to cause harm to myself or anyone else. We try our best also in, in, in mind, our mental kamma, not to, not to engage in harmful uh, thinking, ill will towards ourselves or others, etc. So that's important. But as long as that's in place, then we can allow things to be just as they are, just as they are, and, and, and work on changing our way of being with this, practicing with, with this, whatever this is right now. And that's a lovely thing. We can, we can put down the whole project of having to, to, to succeed, to win, to get there. And we're already here, always. So finding a way to remember that and, and to develop some skill with, with, with learning this new way of being where we're not, uh, as much as possible, we're not getting caught into this pushing and pulling of I want, I don't want, I want to become, I am, I am not. Lobha, dosa, moha are the Pali words talking about these basic forces of, of just trying to bring in I want, trying to push away, obliterate, I don't want, aversion. And then there's, there's uh, moha, which is delusion, where we, we fool ourselves. And all of us, every single one of us, are, are subject to these forces. And, and, and Dhamma practice is, is, can be seen as, as that which helps us discover for ourselves that, first of all, that's the case, and that's really the problem. And then, and then to discover for ourselves a way through it. And all of then all of this sort of organization, the Buddhist tradition and, and the teachings and um, you know, say in the monastic life, all of the practices and, and um, uh, routines that we have, these are these are then aids that we, we can choose to use if we wish to help us do that kind of work because it's not easy, even though it's it's essentially simple. In a sense it's really just letting go and waking up, it's not easy because we're so conditioned into uh, 
every single moment believing my thoughts, my views, my 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 desires, and 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 it's an addiction. It's so it's rather than just something we can learn intellectually and then change. It's like we're we're addicted to desire. We're addicted to becoming our to becoming our our, our identities, and that that we have to we have to in a sense find a way to uh, detox, to come off our addiction, and so the. The renunciation practices that we have, say, in the in the in in the Buddhist teaching, particularly the monastic life, are part of that, and the the meditations part of that, the teachings on on relinquishments part of that. I'd say the most effective, uh, in my view, is mindfulness. Really commit committing to to being aware of ourselves as we are, as much as we can. It's part of that. It's like a detox. It's like um, instead of a instead of a twelve-step program, it's an, an eight-step program, eight eight-fold path. Or you could say it's a four-step program. It's a program. See, as soon as we say that word, then we're caught back into okay, I've got to I've got to do it. I've got to achieve it. It's always a paradox, isn't it? We have to use these time-bound, goal-oriented ways of thinking in order to to learn how to drop that and, and, and actually come home in the present moment to what always actually already is. And, and even putting it that way, again, it's just one way of speaking. You can speak just as accurately about, um, say, the, what we call the, the attainment of nibbana in a, in a goal-oriented spiritual warrior type way. Fight the kilesas. Attain nibbana. And you can, you, and it's just as accurate as speaking in a, in a non-goal-oriented way. It always already is. Just let go. Neither of them are, are true when we when we think about them, because they're once again, you know, kind of their thoughts, their conditions. They're they're we're, we're always going to be perceiving them somewhat in a tainted way, because because we are deluded to some degree. But it's okay. We have to work with that. So we. We, we, we try to take as a measure what's leading to uh, coolness, what's leading to peace, what's leading to uh, a feeling of lack of remorse, a feeling of, of integrity, of, of, of feeling good about how we have been with, 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 with people in our relationships, how we are with ourselves. And we, we try to take note of that. And if, if it's leading in that direction, then it's going in a good probably uh, the, the way we're handling things is probably in line with Dhamma. It can be confusing because sometimes it doesn't feel good. Detox, anyone who's come off addiction, you know it can be hard the first the first period and you can feel like you're going backwards. It did for me. I felt like I was getting worse and worse for three years as a monk. And then it was a slow reversal. Coming up to Harnam was part of that actually. I was down at Chitters for the first three years as a monk, and I, I'd be kind of the way I perceive it now. Sort of was this very idealistic star in Agarika, doing everything right, and then I hit the wall and crashed. As that's always going to be generally the case if you're too idealistic, and then uh, and got, and just continued to get to to get pulled into the mire of my own 
unaddressed psyche and all the muck. And so I came up here, because Ajahn Menindos, Menindos is quite skilled at helping, helping individuals identify the muck in one's own mind. And, um, and, I, and, I, and it was also just time, just practice, my own practice up here. It wasn't the place, it was the time, you know, it probably would have happened if I'd stayed at Chittars to gone somewhere else, but everything has its place. And, and um, so for, for individuals going through early years of training in a monastic life, you might find that. You might find that uh, instead of feeling like what you're doing is leading to coolness and more peace and, and more happiness, that in fact the opposite is happening. You seem to be getting worse. Suddenly you're more childish and more upset and feeling kind of less stable. And that's not necessarily something going wrong. That's why having Kalyanamita, those who've kind of gone through it and are also sort of on the path and have just been doing it longer and can help guide us or at least give us some perspective, reflections, that's why it's so crucial. The Buddha did say that having Kalyanamita or spiritual friends in the holy life are... Uh, is is the whole of it. It really is, is for almost all of us, necessary. And, and then patience is, is, uh, is required, isn't it? Because sometimes you just have to wait it out. It's going to take well, however long it takes. For me, it was years. And it, you know, practice continues. But that, that particular period of feeling like things were getting worse did end. And I just feel this gratitude now, just wonderful gratitude for having stuck it out and stayed in and talking to ex-monks who've disrobed. I was talking to Sompon came today at the meal. We're thinking of some of the monks who used to be here in the 90s when I was here. and They've chosen to, you know, to, to go for whatever reason. And that's their, that's, you know, their life. And I, it may have been the right choice in their case. I don't know. But for me, I'm just so glad I, I kind of stuck it out. And can come here and encourage some of these. See, it's so funny because when I was here, I was a young guy, and now I'm an old guy sitting like in this on this dhamma office chair, like the rest. I did my knee in last week, so here I am up in the, the chair, and you're the young guys. And I'm in my fifties, and I get up from a chair and I make a noise. I go, oh. We move in through these different phases in life, and it, it, it's it's funny because you don't, in a sense, you're always home. In your heart. And 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 the perceptions change, and time is time is relative. It, it it's kind of, you know, I think of the, that time, and it sometimes it feels like yesterday, sometimes it feels like a million years ago. It's just memories. It's like that for all of us, isn't it? Well, maybe there's one of you who's so young you don't know yet, but you'll find out that uh, it just keeps changing. And yet, here we are, still here. And if we haven't been practicing, then we're still going to be caught in hoping and fearing and wanting and not wanting. And if we are, are practicing, then, then to some degree at least, 
we, we hopefully we're developing a different relationship to that. We're not necessarily becoming a special spiritual person. We're 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 we we we're, we've learned we're we're continuing to learn a way where we relate in a more healthy way, in a sense, towards our own you know um, towards what is, including ourselves, our own personalities, our quirks, our psyches, but also in terms of dhamma, we're learning to relate in a different way to those basic forces of becoming. Uh, I become myself, I become my life, I, I want, I don't want. All the various expressions that, that those basic forces take, different forms of, of greed and hatred and so on. Those are strong words, but if we look at our lives, it's, it's, it's happening all the time, and, and, and we, can, we can stay with a practice of mindfulness based in Dhamma, if we choose to develop this Dhamma practice that helps us actually effectively realize the freedom from that. So that'll be, I guess, all my words for this evening.